0: Picking the songs for yeah year was the easiest thing we've ever done. They picked themselves. We picked more. We actually picked one or two songs that we didn't do, but nobody ever argued about anything. We had a list of about 30 songs, and then we literally all picked the same 12. And then there was suggestions by management and other people, and we went, uh, no. No, 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 no. Because it's like, that's what you want us to do, not what we want to do. This has to be a statement about where we came from, not trying to impress other people by, no, it's like, we're going to do David Essex because we think Rock On is an awesome song. We're going to do Bad Finger, we're going to do Thin Lizzy, we're going to do The Faces, we're going to do T-Rex and Sweet and ELO, because these are the songs that led us to where we were. I've always wanted to do a covers album. Phil will tell you, I was n- banging on everybody's doors, we should do a covers record. I was saying this back in 1990, and we finally put one out 16 years later, you know, because I-, I always found pinups to be a great record. And I found that a lot of these covers records, they can, again, they can polarise people's opinions. Some of them are awful, and some of them are stunning. And I always thought that Bowie's was a brilliant idea. And I, I wanted us to do the same thing.
1: This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up.
2: This week we move to number nine, the ninth studio album by Def Leppard. It's the end of the month, so we're doing our Def Leppard album review series. And as always with the other episodes, we got to invite a special guest along to talk about the album, Yeah!, which is a cover song record. Please welcome to the podcast, for the second time this month, In Obscuria's co-host, Kevin Williams. What's going on, Kevin? Yeah. Hey, man. (laughs) Is it yay or yeah? It's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I say yeah. How'd you get roped into doing this hunk of shit? I picked this thing, man. (laughs) I like this one. I texted him. (laughs) He picked it.
3: Like, what do you want? (laughs) I picked it like a booger, man. Come on. Did you ask, are we doing retroactive? I said, we're not doing retroactive. And then you said, okay, I'll do yeah. A lot of people are not retroactive.
2: Yeah. A lot of people are disappointed because it – Other than a couple of B-sides, a lot of the material's are already on records. So I didn't see the point in covering that again, at least with, yeah, you know, it's all cover songs, true, but it is not a rehash, basically. So Kevin, for the listeners who I can't imagine haven't heard of you or the In Obscuria podcast, if they listen to our podcast, but tell the listeners a little something about your podcast and when do you drop new episodes?
4: Yeah, so in Obscuria is based on rock and punk and metal. And what we do is we focus on bands that we consider are lost, forgotten, or should have been. So we try to play things that are, as the title would suggest, a little more obscure. Uh sometimes it may be a band that you know, but maybe it's something that we feel has just been lost, like a an album from a seventies band that came out in the nineties or something like that. So we cover all sorts of things in the spectrum of rock and punk and metal. So if you're into certain genres and not all three of those, I would suggest just kind of go and see what the topic is every week. It may not be for you every week if we're doing a punk rock episode or something like that. But we've got enough going on that we mix it up. And I think we have a lot of fun with it, too. We don't take ourselves too seriously. So, yeah, anywhere you can get a
3: podcast, you can check it out. Drops on go. Fridays. Fridays. in just in time for the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, I subscribe. But then when the episode comes up, I go to the show notes to see what songs you're playing. And I'm like... Okay, there that, that's kind of out there. I ain't listening to that one. <laughs> Release download, thank you.
4: <laughs> Sonny's listened to two episodes in uh, the 150 that we have.
3: Or sometimes they'll be, I'm like, is that a cover of that song? Wait a second, fast forward to that cover. I'm like, holy cow, that is a cover.
4: Yeah, I gave you guys props a few weeks ago. We played uh, Devil's Train,
3: that cameo song. Yeah, that's a great song. That's, that's yeah. a killer version. A lot yeah, right. of people have covered that song, though. Didn't Five Finger do it? No way! I think it was Corn did it. Corn did it. Yeah, Devil's Train
2: really does one of the best versions. I'll tell you another band that would go along with In Obscuria, but there's a band back in the I think it was probably the '90s called Gun, mm-hmm. and they did a cover of Word Up that was really good. In fact, the album that that's on is it's a pretty decent album. They're I think they're a
4: UK hard rock band. We actually played them. Uh, we did one of our episodes at the rock and pod a song of theirs came up on our game that we did called wild card where we basically play some of the songs and then you have to guess who the artist is Glenn was one that came up cool yeah they're a good
2: man all right so let's talk a little bit about Def Leppard so Kevin mm-hmm. are you a Def Leppard fan or is it pretty much just this album
3: good lord if you're a Def Leppard fan and it's just this album you ain't a fan
4: (laughs) oh we're gonna have fun tonight Sonny (laughs) just like everybody else I think that's been on for the most part I discovered Def Leppard I was in the fourth grade when Pyromania came out and a friend of mine uh, next door neighbor had the cassette And he had a Walkman when all that stuff was just happening. And he let me listen to it. And we listened to the songs on Friday night videos. In my little town, we did not have MTV. So we had to wait till Friday night to watch any videos. That was a sore, sore topic when I was growing up. Yeah, so that's where I discovered Def Leppard. And I wasn't super into music at that time. I was more of a little skateboarder into fireworks and, you know, just doing things that would get me in trouble but music wasn't around for me yet so i didn't really latch on i liked it i learned how to draw their logo really well and i drew their logo all over books and everything else but i didn't really go any further than that until um 87 and a friend of mine named richard Carnes. i'll never forget this he brought the tape up and he said hey man i brought a keyboard and you need to listen to this and then we're going to start a band and i was like okay and so i listened to hysteria And of course, you know, it had that keyboard sound to it. And I actually dug it. I thought it was really cool, even though it wasn't the punk rock that I was listening to at the time, but something about it I really liked. And that was the spark, though, for me to even consider being in a rock band. And so I started to think about what I would play. And that actually put me on my path to begin to play drums and guitar and bass and everything that I do to this day, which is kind of funny. It's Def Leppard's fault.
2: Now, I'm guessing that Being that you're a new wave of British heavy metal fan, that once you discovered the first uh, couple of records, you were into them a lot more, you know, even though you may have heard Hysteria, Pyromania first.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I obviously went backwards from Hysteria. And then when Adrenalize came out, I was in college and that was the album that I was kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm still into this. And then once I heard, what was that? two steps behind song that came out after that. Once I heard that, I'm like, I'm out. You oh know? my God. I love that song. Nope. That's <laughs> one of the worst songs they've ever put out. In wow. My opinion. Horrible. <laughs> so I was out after that. And you know what brought me back into Def Leppard? What? Yeah. <laughs> what an interesting record to bring somebody
2: back into the band with. Uh, I mean, okay. So... <laughs>
4: At that time in 2006, I was starting to get into anything I could, you know, how I just consume music in, of all genres. Yeah. And so I, I started going down a path of 70s glam rock. And so I just, you know, I knew T-Rex, I knew Slade, I knew The Suite, but I didn't go much further than that. So I started really trying to get into all of these bands that at one point I considered silly, but I started to like the music a lot. Mm-hmm. And when Yeah came out, it had a lot of that type of stuff on it. And so it kind of sent me even further down the path.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, look, my history with this record is pretty non-existent. I got it. I appreciated the fact that it was not songs that you hear on every cover record. So I respected it for that. I respected it for the fact that these are the bands that, that Def Leppard talks about in every interview. So I know that these songs and these bands are near and dear to the members of the band. Uh, so I think that it's a very honest album. Sonny, what's your history with.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So this was, I started with, yeah, I saw Def Leppard in 2006. So I was going to go see it cause they were playing with journey. So this was the record they were touring on. And so that's why I got it. You know, I went, got this okay. and you know, the couple of previous ones at the same time for me. I love like the duop of the 50s. I love the Motown of the 60s. I love the 80s rock. I can tolerate some of the grunge in the 90s, but I like a lot of the pop in the 90s, like a lot of the pop of the 2000s. I have never been a 70s fan, period. I don't like pretty much anything that comes out of it. Anytime somebody says 70s music, all I can hear is Jeremiah was a bullfrog. That's all <laughs> I hear in my head. I don't know why. So when I got this album, I'm like, oh my God, they, they're in the bang zone of the thing that I cannot stand. And I remember the way I got into Motown was, you know, there was a couple of covers done and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I should go check out more Motown. Ah, I'm still not a 70s fan. Like, I just don't like the glam stuff.
4: All of your 80s heroes came from those 70s fans. Yeah, and they did it better.
2: Thank God. Do you feel like that's because of the recordings themselves? Because, I mean, the recording technology in the 70s obviously is not what it is in the 80s, 90s, and beyond.
3: Yeah, but the 50s and 60s didn't scare me off. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah. It's the vocal melodies. There's no, like, all the R&B is gone. Like, there's doesn't feel like there's any kind of rhythm and blues to it for wow. me.
2: But to me, the glam rock of the 70s is a really an am- amalgamation of punk, power pop, To me, there's some very catchy hooky stuff in a lot of that music. So Pre tone. Pre tone. Yeah, I mean, I like I like a lot of it. (laughs) I don't like punk, so there you go. (laughs) Well, but you do like the poppy punk. You're a fan of a lot of that stuff that you've heard, whether it's the guys that wear the Master Truths.
3: Yeah. Those guys aren't they're not really playing in this genre here. Some of these
2: bands like Green Day and stuff, they come from this 70s power pop punk.
3: Yeah. Glam era. gave glam gave way to power pop. It
4: also gave way to hard rock and metal.
3: Yeah. I get, you know, I respect all these guys and there's some of this stuff that I can listen to. It's just not an era that I go back to. So yeah. I remember when I first got the album, like, oh man, I wish it was like all sixties tunes. This is why I was so interested in like soul station. Cause I was like, okay, let's see what Paul's going to do with this stuff. Right. And I like that they did a Rod Stewart song. I am a Rod Stewart fan. Right. So There was things, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe the kinks might be all right. And I don't really know who the nerves are and the ELO sounds boring, but whatever. I guess I could try it. All right. So
2: let's get into some basic facts with this album. So this album was to be released in September of 2005. They released the first single, which was the Badfinger cover of No Matter What You Want in May of 2005, and then nothing. Nothing happens after that. The label decided to release a greatest hits, a Def Leppard greatest hits. And so the album basically gets shelved for an entire year, which, I mean, if, you, if you're if you familiar with anything about marketing campaigns that are set up around new album releases, it's a big deal. So when they set up a single and they release a single and they're setting up the delivery of this album, that's a huge thing. And they basically release the single Nothing. They do nothing with it. They shelve the album for an entire year. They release the Greatest Hits package. Def Leppard goes on tour to support the Greatest Hits package. And so the album ends up getting released in May of 2006 instead, which is, you know, no big deal. Just a mere year after they released the first single. What the fuck? Nice job, Mercury. Good job. What's up with that?
4: <laughs> Great planning.
2: Yeah, really great planet.
4: They, they really were thinking about Def Leppard in 2006, yeah, weren't they?
2: Yeah. So the album released released in May of uh, 2006. It was recorded between 2003 and 2006. Uh, length of the album is 53:43. Labels Mercury. The producers are Def Leppard and somebody named Ronan McHugh, who I'm personally not familiar with. Do either one of you guys know who this guy is? Sounds like a fake name, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A friend of theirs, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. The album, when it was released, got pretty decent reception from the critics and the fans, actually. Let's talk a little bit about the album artwork and the cover inserts, because there's a lot going on with that stuff. You guys got the album and the CD, so we can look at the inserts and uh, talk about it. But I'll read what Wikipedia says. The uh, accompanying booklet contains photographs of the band members recreating classic images from the 70s artwork. So Rick Savage is imitating Freddie Mercury from the Queen 2 album cover. Vivian Campbell is imitating Mark Boland from T-Rex's Electric Warrior. Joe Elliott is imitating David Bowie from the rear cover of The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars. Rick Allen imitating Lou Reed from the Transformer record. And Phil Collin is imitating the Stooges' raw power. You guys see that? You got that?
4: Yeah, I think it's awesome, actually. I really dig it. But here's the weird thing. Okay, you show these covers of these bands, but you don't put their songs on the uh, album. There's no Iggy on this album. It's on on the bonus stuff. Yeah, there's no Queen on this album either. Yeah. That is
2: true. But what I would say is that if you look at the album package as a whole, there's a lot of stuff on this album that is not directly related to the artists that are in the song. So I like the fact that this whole album is a nod to their influences. And so they, they didn't put every song from their influences, but they did other things like whether it's in the artwork, they have, you know, pink Floyd's dark side of the moon in part of the album cover that they play tribute to they have a lot of different things so i think that's pretty cool and maybe they stayed away from the like queen and stuff like that because maybe it was just a little bit too popular uh what
4: do you think i think we're going to get into this more as we talk about this song selection because i think they could have made some better choices personally a lot of these artists that they are mimicking the covers in are artists that they always talk about as their favorites or albums that they always talk about as their favorites and so I kind of expected them to play them but we'll get into that but I think the album cover itself to me I don't know I couldn't find anything about it but it is to me it's a play on the Beatles
3: help it definitely has some of that poses did you notice the floor the floor on the album it says Def Leppard on it too you can barely make it out yeah reverse yeah that's pretty cool that is cool. They did a really good job with this. This booklet is done very, very well. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is part of what
4: brought me back to them. I, I mean, this is quality. This is a quality. They put a lot into it. The image alone is just, this is one of the best Def Leppard covers, in my opinion. It's just great, man. It's got a lot of energy. It's got, a, like I said, a play on the Beatles and a play on Kiss with that lighted up. Yeah. That's, basically, the Kiss logo sign. That's not a gatefold, is it, Kevin? It is. And let's is talk it? about that because that doesn't make any sense. Okay. How in the hell can Rick Allen play a guitar? Yeah. <laughs> Unless he's a finger-tapping crazy man. I I don't know why Rick Allen's holding a guitar.
3: <laughs> On the inside of the gatefold, I don't know. Everybody just grab a guitar, basically, is what happened here. Yeah. W- Swing it around. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, I will say once we get into the songs, from what I understand, this album, the song selection is – Yes, it's influential to the band, but it's actually the song more so than the actual artist. So even though they may be influenced by T-Rex, that song has a particular meaning to whoever picked it to be on the album. That was my understanding.
4: Yeah, that's the way it reads on the inside. And there's a lot of good little notes from Joe and Phil mostly. Okay. So
2: let's talk a little bit about the bonus tracks that they did for this record because they did all kinds of bonus stuff, even though we won't cover the bonuses in the track by track. You want to talk a little bit about that, Kevin?
4: Yeah. So here in the States, I don't know, Sonny, where you got yours. I got mine back in 2006 at Best Buy and it has two songs on it. Is that where you got yours? So it's got two songs on it that were not the same bonus songs you got if you picked it up at Walmart or Target here in the States. And then also, I believe in Japan, as they normally do, they had different songs in Japan. Well, oh, that's kind of cool. That was a thing for the time because, you know, CDs were starting to wane. People were starting to download. So they were trying to make it so that, oh, if we can get people that really like Def Leppard to go to Target, Walmart and Best Buy so they can get all the bonuses, that puts more money in our pocket. So it was pretty brilliant at the time. And then nowadays what's happened is if you get the box set that came out last year, you actually get all the bonus material in Yeah 2. They made a, an LP for Yeah 2 and you get Yeah Live. So you get a whole bunch of other songs, and I'll probably be talking a little bit about that because I have I have some opinions on song selections as we're going to go through this.
1: Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.
3: All right, so we're going to talk about the 14 tracks that were on basically the one of the formats, there's all kinds of formats. We're going to do the 14 song. So the album opens with T-Rex's 20th Century Boy. to me, it's a nice version. It's like pop Def Leppard, but I think the T-Rex version is a little dirtier. It's a little grittier. So if I had my choice, I think I like the T-Rex version better. What'd you think about this cover?
4: I mean, I think it's it's a good opener. Obviously, it makes sense that they're going to play T-Rex. And that that song, 20th Century Boy, everybody and their mother has covered that song. It was supposed to be on this album, but it didn't end up on this album I'm holding, which is Tanks by T-Rex. It was just a single, which is interesting that a single did that well. And it's the it's one of the songs that they're known for. I agree with you. I think the swagger that T-Rex had, that sloppiness is completely taken out of it. It's very faithful. They could have leapt it up a little bit more, made it a little more Def Leppard. But They tried to cover it pretty straight, and in doing so, it came across a little vanilla to me, but it's still good.
3: Yeah, and Stephen, this happens a couple of times in this album. They got the guitar tone perfect, though. Like They really worked on trying to keep it right, right, Stephen?
2: Yeah, that's one of the things I enjoyed about this uh, particular cover is I thought... You talked about the rawness of T-Rex, and I understand where you're coming from, but I actually like the guitar tone on this song when it cranks up because it's the first thing you hear on the record. And uh, it sounds, you know, not quite as uh, neutered as some of their guitar sounds in the past, especially of recently, especially being that they're coming off the X album.
4: Yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, I I think overall this entire album, the recording in general, the way that they recorded it, everything sounds amazing. I think this is part of the reason when I say this brought me back to Def Leopard, is because it sounds big, it's a great guitar tone. Even if I didn't care for the song, it, it pulled me in with the tone of the guitars. Yeah.
3: The second song, Rock On, by David Essex. The original, Kevin, is very psychedelic. So they try to kind of – Def Leppard kind of replicate it with the guitars and the volume swells. Like they're trying to do some weird things without being psychedelic in 2006, I guess. I'm going to go on a limb here, but I'm going to call this a perfect
4: cover because they made this song a Def Leppard song. If you listen to David Essex's version, it's all right, but it's very 70s of that time. They made this song their own. And to me, the, the guitar minis that you're talking about, instead of the, using the orchestration that's in the original tune – I love that man I love when they reinterpret something and make it sound like Def Leppard and this is going to be a theme with me as we go through this but I think they did a perfect version of making this a Def Leppard song
5: (laughs) Hey, shout summertime blues, jump up and down in my blue suede shoes. Hey, DJ, rock and roll, rock on. And where do we go from here? Which is the way?
3: Yeah, Stephen, if I had my choice between the original and Def Leppard's cover, I would take Def Leppard's cover because I like that. They stayed away from the double vocal of the original, and then like at two minutes, it actually kicks into a Def Leppard song because Essex's version is, I'm sorry, it's boring. Okay, so here's where
2: I'm going to differ just slightly. So when they first came out with this song, I like the original song because I can remember the original song on AM radio when I was growing
3: up. Because you're 633 years old. That's why. What's AM radio?
0: You suck, you jackass.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's what you listen (laughs) to in the morning.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All
2: right, jerk off, Listen up. AM radio is what we had before FM really kicked in. But anyway, (laughs) so I can remember hearing that song and I liked it, you know, when I was a kid growing up. So when Def Leppard covered it and released it I was excited about it because I, re- I was like it reminded me of the song because not like I had heard that song recently so when they released it I was like oh yeah I remember this tune. very cool and I liked it but then they started putting it in their set and they kept it in the set forever it may still be in the set I don't know and it really got old because there was a run there where I was seeing Def Leppard literally every year because they were coming through town with these package tours. And so I really got burned on this song because I was like, why are they still playing this song live? They could put in something from High and Dry instead or something from the first album. Quit playing this song. So I really got burned out on it to the point to where I started to hate it. I'm burned on this song. I'm burned on the Def Leppard version. Do I think the Def Leppard version is better? Yes, I do because it just technically it sounds better. Uh, from a recording standpoint and
3: everything else. So I do like the Def Leppard version better than the original, but I'm burned on it. So then the third track we got is hanging on the telephone, and depending on who you believe, that's either a Blondie song or it's a song by the Nerves. It's not a Blondie song. It's a song by the Nerves. Here, Def Leppard, Kevin, basically takes all the punk out of it. Like, they make it a pop song. I actually like the original better. The
4: original being the Blondie or the Nerves? The Nerves. Okay. I mean, everybody, I think most people will think of this as a Blondie song. And this is a really odd choice to me for Def Leppard to choose this over every other song that's out there. I read their notes of why they chose it. I still don't get why they put it in here. I mean, people think of it as Blondie. As much as I don't want to like it, it is a catchy-ass song. And even if you don't like it, it sticks in your head. At least it does in mine. And I'm like, God damn, I'm singing that song again in my head. But I'm not a huge fan of their version of it. I I think they could have chosen a ton of other or use some of those other songs that they put on the bonus tracks instead
0: the only time that we had a discussion about which song was Blondie because we ended up doing Hanging on the Telephone and I think I suggested we should try one way or another which I thought would have been cool but everybody else fancied that one so okay cool I don't mind as long as we just do one of them you know
5: I'm in the phone of it's so the one across
3: Yeah, Stephen, this thing's got Austin Powers written all over it. I actually like the original version. I like it.
2: I got to be honest. I've never heard of the nerves in my life, so I have nothing. I had no idea about this band at all.
4: You need to listen Uh, to In Obscuria. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
2: maybe so. But anyway, I don't know of that band. I didn't know it was a Blondie song. I think it's an okay song. I've been listening to this record now pretty heavily for the past uh, several weeks. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's not one of my favorites on the records, but it's definitely not one of the worst on the record either.
3: So then we get to the fourth track Waterloo sunset, <sighs> Kevin. I So what I had done was I set up a playlist that had the original and then the Def Leppard song, the original and the Def Leppard song. And I will tell you that the more I listen to the kinks, the less I like them. This, <laughs> or, the original version is absolutely fucking brutal. I had to turn it off. And started singing Prince <laughs> in the car a cappella. I was in the key of flat, and it sounded better than the <laughs> shit I had just turned off. You love this song, I'm assuming. Of course I
4: do. This is the Kinks, man. <laughs> oh How can you not love God. the Kinks, dude? Barudal. But you got to know what you're getting with the Kinks. You're, you're getting Ray Davies, man, and he's not. He, he doesn't sound like Good. You know, the other. <laughs> he doesn't sound like the other bands from from England at that time. You know those British invasion bands. It's, they were unique. The Kinks were definitely unique. I don't know why. Again, I don't know why Def Leppard would choose this song. Waterloo Sunset is, if you want to choose a song off this same album that I'm holding up by the Kinks, if they would have played David Watts, the very first song, it would have been rocked up as hell. It would have been awesome. That would have been a great one to choose instead of what they chose. What they did with Waterloo Sunset was they took all the quirkiness out of it that are the Kinks. So it just comes across
3: really flat. It sounds like 90s Def Leppard to me, which is not a good thing to me. Yeah, Stephen, I'll tell you. So I, I turn off the, the Kinks version, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have to listen to this Def Leppard version, I guess. And the guitar saved it. The Chug Chug, I'm like, oh, at least it's listenable now. I can't listen. The Kinks just suck. I can't listen to Kinks anymore. But the Kinks came out in 67, man. <laughs> I just oh. can't listen anymore. So
2: this song is – Sucks. <laughs> It's still a little bit. What I noticed is that on this record, Def Leppard is really sort of straddling the line between total in obscure songs and semi known songs. And Waterloo Sunset, I don't know, I can't tell you what the show or movie was that I was recently watching, like within the last week. But the song, the original song, was in that movie or that TV show. And I was like, holy shit. That's Waterloo Sunset because I knew it from the fact that I'd been uh, binging the the Yeah record, and I you know I don't know I don't love this song I've never really liked this song I knew it before Yeah came out it's just I'm I'm not a huge Kinks fan and I know that they influenced all these people and I know they had you know Van Halen and all that stuff I get the history I I got it but. I just I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the kink stuff some of the stuff I can take some I can't but they're a different band like you said Kevin
4: Best opportunity to me from what, what they chose because the Kinks are known for basically inventing the distorted guitar as we know it today. Mm-hmm. You know, so choose a song by the Kinks that rocks. The Kinks have two sides to them they have the very rocky side, which is more Dave Davies stuff, and then you got the Ray Davies, more folky English stuff. And that's what mm-hmm. they chose to cover. Oh, by the way, if you come to Atlanta where Steven and I are and you go to the Brave Stadium, there's a record store here called Waterloo Sunset. Mm. There you go. Sonny wishes that they would have chose No Kink songs,
2: yeah, I think.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you love those Van Halen covers, right? Yeah, and I thought they were Van Halen songs because they did them better. I listened to the originals. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, that's so bad. <laughs> All right, so the fifth song, let's get to a better band. So we go to the suite, and we get Hellraiser. And I had never heard the Sweet version until the other day. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the Kickstart My Heart riff. Nikki needs to get sued. Right, Kevin? Yep. Where do you think Motley Crue got half their shit from?
4: <laughs> they got it from this band I'm holding up right here. That's sweet. And, th- and that album as well. And this album. Yep. Yeah. Now, the song that Def Leppard chose was a single. It was not on this album that I'm holding up because I, I don't have the single, but it's interesting they chose Hellraiser because if you know the story of Sweet, when they first started, they were getting songs written for them by Chapman and Chim, which is a, a duo that did like real bubblegum rock glam rock and they would play all these songs so you got ballroom blitz and all that and i would call hellraiser ballroom blitz part two but the suite were writing their own songs as well Uh, and so all the singles that came out the b-side would be a song that the suite actually wrote and then finally they after hellraiser i believe somewhere around that time is when they just completely abandoned the songwriting team and just started doing their own material little sweet story for you
3: yeah nice steven i'll tell you that uh Def Leppard's version, I think, modernizes the song a little bit. I think I like Leopard's version a little bit better. Both songs, both versions I like, but I think Def Leppard did it better. Yeah, again, comes back to the m- more
2: modern recordings, I think. But The Suite is an interesting band to me because for years I read in all these magazines how – This guy said they were major influences of his. This guy said it. This guy said it. This band said it. But I really only knew pretty much what everybody else knows, which is, you know, ballroom blitz, stuff like that. So recently, within the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, they released this big, huge, like massive greatest hits uh, thing that was like, I want to say it was like a double or triple album of greatest hits uh the sweet. So I went and I checked it out and I'm like, "Yep, like that song. Yep, like that song. Yep, like that song." Just went down the list. I mean, for the time, hugely rocking. It's like, you know, pretty rocking hard rock guitar songs with these ridiculous like queen vocals on some of this stuff and it's like, how, you know, how are these guys were they not bigger than they ended up being? And they had some success, but nothing like some of their, you know, peers. And I just, I have like this greatest hits to this day, and it just there's so much good stuff on there, from you know, back in the New York groove, just being one of the many things that is on there. Cockroach and Hellraiser and all these great songs. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like the Def Leppard version, no doubt. Uh, but I also like the Sweet version, just like you, Sonny.
4: thing is you mentioned the vocals of the suite right if you think about Def Leppard and their big vocals you can totally see most people probably thought it was Queen and it is Queen but they're also the suite as well so I think Def Leppard did a good job of blending all that to get what we get with them and their harmony vocals and then in this song there's this kind of cartoony voice that comes in and that's actually Justin Hawkins from The Darkness yeah Really? None, of, none of the guys in Leopard wanted to do the cartoony voice. If I were them, I would just let that part out. That was a very 70s glammy thing to do. Like in 2006, you could probably could have left that out. But if you're going to get somebody to do it, get Justin Hawkins.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, track six, we got 10538 Overture, originally done by ELO. And Kevin, when I listened to the original, I'm like, I couldn't stop yawning. I'm like, God damn, this song is literally <laughs> lasting forever. And then to look down and think it was only four and a half minutes, I swear to God, it was 14 and a half minutes. God, the original is so brutal. It's prog rock, Sonny. Oh my this God, is it is so rock. bad. So bad.
4: Yeah. The original ELO, before they got all poppy in the 70s, was a prog rock band. And they were, it wasn't just Jeff Lynn, it was Roy Wood. And that's why Def Leppard wanted to cover from this first album. This came, the song that they're covering, this overture, is the first song that these guys ever wrote, is the first song on the first album. It's weird that Def Leppard chose this, but I kind of get why they did because if they tried to cover anything else that Roy Wood did, they wouldn't be able to pull it off because it's all orchestration. And even on this song, you've got some orchestration, but I kind of wish they would have used like on the first song more guitar monies to build those same kind of swells that you get with the orchestra, but it's still pretty good. I think it's a pretty decent version of it, but it is prog rock. So yeah, I didn't expect you to like this. (laughs)
3: Stephen Def Leppard tried to save it. There's a lot going on. They didn't save it. The this, this song is shit. I
2: always like when I'm going through this stuff and binging these records in preparation for these episodes, for whatever reason I go, Oh, Sonny's going to hate this song <laughs> or Sonny's <laughs> going to love this song. This was one of the songs where I was, yeah, Sonny's going to hate this song. <laughs> there's no way Sonny likes this song. There's a lot of, uh, and not that it's any surprise because ELO there's, a lot of that, but there's a lot of Beatlesque moments within this song. A lot of that layered stuff, you know, this song, it's not one of my favorite yellow songs. I like it. The more I listen to it a little bit, but it's still probably not one of my favorites on this record. Uh, it's just a little bit too proggy for me. I think, I don't know. Yeah, it's a You're little, right. little You're right. It's really good. It's a little much for me there in
4: Obscuria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you're wearing your Cruise to the Edge shirt, man.
3: Be representing with this album. It was clean. <laughs> so we so we go from Overture to the seventh track Street Life originally by Roxy Music and I'm listening to the original Kevin and I'm like, I wonder why I don't listen to much Roxy Music and because this song is complete shit. Back to back just I almost threw my phone out the window cuz I was listening on Spotify. Like it was God, this song is bad. I knew it was going to go this way. My notes, killer
4: cut from Roxy Music. This is off Stranded, their third album, their first album without Brian Eno. They had Eddie Jobson, who was just like this prog rock god. And yeah, a brilliant song, but Joe couldn't quite do what Brian Ferry does with his voice. So I think they do a pretty good job of it. It's not quite as sleazy and proggy as Roxy Music. But yeah, I agree with you, Sonny. This is an amazing song off an amazing album. <laughs>
3: so here's my thought on the Def Leppard version. Joe's vocal melody delivery, way better. And thank God the guitars were fuller, because I could at least get through the Def Leppard version. Settle down,
2: sonny. It's Roxy music. I love this tune. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you what. So I don't know a whole lot about Roxy Music. They had a couple of music videos on MTV that were pretty successful, but I think that was way sort of after their high point of their career. Again, I, I'm not a Roxy Music expert. I know Brian Ferry was the was the lead singer in Roxy Music. I remember Love is a Drug. That was the big uh, uh, hit that they had at one point in time. That's okay. I like that song. I will tell you this and Sonny probably won't get this, but Kevin, I bet you donuts to dollars, you get this. I was listening to this song today and I was like, hmm, okay. This song reminds me of something. I'll tell you what the, (laughs) no, I'll tell you what the hell this song reminds me of, Kevin. It reminds me of L7. Let's pretend we're dead. to that song it's totally ripped on uh from this uh roxy music
4: song i hope that's a true story i hope that l7 ripped it from roxy music that would be an awesome story sonny you know l7 yes <laughs> shit
5: <laughs> <laughs> they
4: ripped
3: shit that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go listen
2: to that song, Kevin, and, and text me and let me know what you think. But I'm That's telling you that there's there's either uh, a melody line in there or uh, the riff in there is
4: very Let's Pretend We're Dead by L7. Well, I tell you what, Sonny, at least if you don't like Roxy Music's music, at least go look at every single album cover because they always had a
3: Playboy model on the front. So at least go look at their album covers. <laughs> Not going to save it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we go from Roxy Music to David Bowie. And okay, Kevin, I know you're going to hate this. I, j- I don't get Bowie. I don't get him. The only ones I liked were the pop songs of the 80s. That was the only ones I could tolerate. I just don't get the guy. Wow. I don't get you sometimes, Sonny. What the
6: fuck is Sonny Pony?
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> this, this, this is, I mean, it's David Bowie, man. How can you not? I, okay. I don't understand. But I will say this this is where I start to get into my song selection statements here so they picked drive-in saturday it's bowie it's it's ziggy it's from aladdin same which is a very famous album but joe's always talking about ziggy stardust pick a rock song off of ziggy stardust do suffragette city do hang on to yourself do something that rocks more that sounds more like Def leopard drive-in saturday is not Def leopard it's a great boy song but it doesn't translate well for for leopard to me they made it some kind of statement that oh well we were in this Cover band Joe and Phil that was called Cybernauts before this, and they did a bunch of Bowie covers, and so they didn't want to put the same songs on this album. I'm like, nobody heard that album. Put Suffragette City on here, and you've got a Def Leppard rocker.
2: I keep coming back to: Are they putting the songs that they're putting on here because they're sentimental to the individual members of the band in some way, shape, or form?
4: I guess, but to me, I I, I think people want to hear Def Leppard rock more, and. This was not the one. If you look at the the B sides or the bonus material, they did Ziggy, they did Rebel, Rebel, Space Oddity, and all the young dudes, all boy songs.
2: I gotcha. But I don't think, I honestly don't think they made this record for the fans. They made it for themselves. This has been a dream of Joe Elliott's since 1983, as he tells it. So, I mean, they made this record for themselves.
5: My arms around your head Gee, it's hard, let's go to bed Don't forget to turn out the light Don't laugh, babe, it'll be alright Pour me out another phone I'll ring to see if your friends are home Perhaps the strange ones in the dome Can lend us a book we can read up alone And try to get Sylvia the Bureau Supply for Aging
3: drive-in Saturday thing, Stephen, like if you weren't into the cover song album already, this ain't going to get you into it. Like I, I don't get it. And I get it. They're in a spot in their career where they're not using these songs to catapult them into stardom. They already have that. But reality is okay, you're making it for yourself, but so the fans are still listening. Can, can you do songs that are like more you? Right. Yeah, I I agree with you. I
2: mean, look, for me, and <laughs> Kevin, you don't understand Sonny, but Sonny really does he he doesn't latch on to anything sentimental or i don't I don't think he has a respect for uh the history of rock and roll okay so so just put that aside and just assume that that's the case, so Sonny either likes the music or he doesn't like the music, and so it doesn't matter how iconic uh somebody like Bowie is if the music doesn't strike poony then he's not he's he's out he's out uh and he told you he likes you know he likes some of the pop stuff let's dance whatever and that's all good i'm i'm okay with that in fact i probably like that kind of stuff too i appreciate and am interested in bowie but some of his stuff i can't take some of it i like some of it i just can't take drive-in saturday night not one of my favorites for sure
4: it's got so. a great chorus. I, I mean, I, I think it's got a really good chorus, but.
2: Yeah, I, I think that, that Bowie, a lot of times, yeah, you need to identify with Bowie in his lyrics. Yeah. And I've said it before. I'm not a big lyric person. I attach myself to a groove and a sound before anything else. And then, yes, I need to understand the words. I need to have somewhat of a decent singer or at least somebody who enunciates and I can understand what they're saying. And then then I worry about what they're saying. Uh, And this is one of those things where I think you either like the lyrics or you don't. But the music is just kind of meh to
4: me. I I had written down, I guarantee Joe Elliott loves the lyrics to this song, because there are a lot of lyrics. One, there's a lot to
3: it, but it just fits in with everything that he loves. Mm -hmm. So then we get to the ninth track and we go with free with a little bit of love. And here is where I like free. I love Paul Rogers. But Kevin, they missed a big opportunity. Dude, they could have rocked this song the hell up because this is one of the most boring free songs there is. They didn't let Paul Rogers do any vocal gymnastics or any punch in the song. Joel could have put this thing in the stratosphere and this could have been a hit. Yeah, I I wrote down the same thing. Joe, to me, falls flat here. It's just the way that they
4: approach this song. It's the song that they chose. I mean, I know it's a huge hit of Freeze, but if if Death Leopard would have done All Right Now and done a killer rocked out version of it, 2006 style, man, it would have been awesome. Because if you take on Paul Rogers, man, you better bring your A game if you're going to try to cover Paul Rogers. So I I think this one falls flat for me.
3: Yeah, Stephen, I think they could have put that Mutt Lang backing vocals on it. They could have made this thing big and beautiful. I mean, Free is in their bang zone All they had to do was go in and do a 2006 version. They just kind of didn't do that. See, this is where my
2: ignorance is a good thing, because I really don't know a whole lot about free. I know all right now. I know the hits from a band like Bad Company. So to be honest, Little Bit of Love is the first time I'm hearing this song. And so I actually like it. I knew it was a free song and I said, oh, okay, I like. The free stuff that I've heard And I like this song is somebody like Paul Kozoff not talked about more because I've heard so many great guitar players say how this guy influenced them but he's not really mentioned in you know guitar gods how is that even possible
3: I think he gets lost in the 70s and Paul Rogers is the bigger personality and you got Simon that you know breaks off and does the babies for a while and stuff like that so like these other guys did other stuff and Paul just kind of fell off the face of the planet, feels like.
4: Yeah. yeah I like
3: this song though. I think they could have rocked it out more though. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been more than it is. All right. So then we come to track number 10, The Golden Age of Rock and Roll, originally done by Bata Hoople. So like I told you guys before, Like, I would listen to bands, and, you know, I was into Def Leppard when Def Leppard first came out, and Joe doesn't stop talking about Mott, right? So, I mean, that's all he talks about. So, I'm like, okay, I got to go check this band out, because obviously, right, Joe must know what he's talking about. They got great songs. Shit, Mott the Hoople must be the second coming. Dude, I have yet to hear a Mott the Hoople song that I like, and this ain't wonderful. I don't understand what Elliot hears in these guys. I wrote down, Sonny's
4: going to hate Ian Hunter. (laughs) he's actually on the song, he intros the song but yeah, Ian Hunter's the uh, obviously the singer guitarist from Mott the Hoople, yeah it's it's kind of like Ray Davies If you you know, you gotta appreciate the voice for what it is, it's not the best in the world, yeah Mott Hoople man, I bought, so I'm holding up an album, it's Mott Hoople Live, I bought this in 1992 because at my little uh, record store in my hometown, they were selling all of their albums and it was a buck a piece because they wanted the shelf space for the compact disc and so i bought this not even knowing anything about moth Hoopel hoople because i thought the cover was funny because you know i didn't know that much about glam rock at that time in 1992 but i've come to really appreciate them but i could yeah that's the first thing i wrote down sunny's gonna hate ian hunter If you go back and listen to it, but I think uh, for Def Leppard, I think they do a really good job. And Joe, to me, shines on this one. This is where he he nails it and takes it to the next level. And I feel like they leopardize this song. They make this a Def Leppard song again. So this is what I like for them to do with these covers. And uh, I read that Viv's brother played the sax on this, which is kind of cool.
3: Steven, I agree. Joe kind of saves the Def Leppard cover. Like, I don't love the song, but Joe's vocal is so much better than the original that it's listenable.
2: All the Young Dudes, that was my introduction to Mott Ma- the Hoople, and that's probably their biggest hit, I think. Right, Kevin? You agree with that?
4: Definitely. David Bowie wrote that and gave it to them, and that's what brought them the fame and yeah. fortune.
2: And I like that tune. This song, it's okay. The more I listen to it, the more I like it. So I don't, you know, I don't think it's bad. Uh, I don't know how much of Mott the Hoople stuff I would enjoy because, honestly, I just haven't listened to that much of it, but this song's okay.
4: Have you guys heard the uh, the Down and Outs albums that Joe's done with the Choir Boys? Yeah,
2: I have not heard them,
4: no. That's what they do is they're covering Mott the Hoople, so obviously Joe Elliott's a huge Ian Hunter and uh, Mott the Hoople fan, and that's what Down and Outs do. It came out in 2010, so he he took this a bit further.
3: All right, then we get to... The eleventh track by Badfinger, "No Matter What." I've always liked this song, Kevin. I really (laughs) like the original. It's just—it's a fun song. It's easy to listen to, and it's just super catchy. I have no history whatsoever with this song. I I know nothing
4: about Badfinger. It's one of those bands that I just never—I've never gone down the path. And to me, it sounds very Beatles-esque. This was the first single. I don't get why this was the first single but I, to me this song is just eh. it's very
3: beatlesy. <laughs> oh my
2: god.
3: Steven, I actually like Def Leppard's version even better because the guitar solo in the original isn't great and Def Leppard fixes that.
2: Oh, my God. Uh, Badfinger is such an underrated band, and it's really because they had such a short career and had so many major issues uh, and personnel issues. But how do you not know anything about Badfinger? You're holding up every album of every artist we're talking about, and you don't know anything about Badfinger. And then when we talk about Badfinger, which is one of the best bands that they cover on here and this is one of the best covers that they do on this record and you're like meh are you freaking
4: high it sounds like a beatles rip off to me man even more so than elo
2: well i mean Badfinger was originally on apple records which was the beatles label and i think i don't know if they were discovered by paul mccartney or or, uh, one of the beatles but i think uh, they were definitely involved in their early part of their career i mean they've got some great stuff I love this song. And, and if you're, if you're into Jellyfish at all, Jellyfish does a killer cover of this song as well. So just, yeah, I love this song. Uh, Yeah. And it's a great first single, which is why it, I just couldn't believe when they released it as the first single and it just sort of, you know, did nothing and they did nothing with this record and shelved it.
4: What a waste. See, I would have not even put this song on the album. I would have they had Search and Destroy with Phil on vocals, which is awesome. They did Elected. They did Under My Wheels by Alice Cooper. All of that would have been good. There's no Slade on this album. There's no Lou Reed. There's no Queen on this album. To me, that that's a miss. We can all thank God there's no Slade on this record. <laughs> Quite right.
3: We <laughs> did enough of that. Uh, all right. So we don't get Slade, but we get some guy named John Congos, South African dude with a song called He's Gonna Step On You Again. Kevin, I ain't never heard of this dude, and I got no reason to go down the rabbit hole because this song is not good.
4: <laughs> I never heard this song either. I don't, I don't know the original artist as well, but to me, similar to Rock On, they took a kind of one-hit wonder song, they took an obscure song, and they made it a Def Leppard song. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. I think they do a brilliant version of this. I
3: don't know the original, but it sounds like a Def Leppard song the way they did it leopard tried to save it steven they tried to make it hysteria this is just shit this uh, oh my god dude there's there's some bad <laughs> songs on this record this takes the cake right here
5: i don't
2: know if it takes a cake but i never even heard of this dude john congos what's up with that i don't know i <laughs> i don't know it's okay i listen the first time I listened to it, I'll be honest, I had the same feeling that you did, Sonny, but then I listened to it a few more times while I was binging it, and I was like, you know, it's got all right, decent groove uh, to it. Kevin, you lost all respect when you tried <laughs> to say no matter what shouldn't be on the record, and then you're like, this is the best song it ever. It is. It all is. Right, you, settled, you settled down, John Congos. All right. <laughs> yeah, so it's meth for me.
3: so then second to last song we get is Don't Believe a Word, originally done by Thin Lizzy. And there's probably five Thin Lizzy songs I can tolerate. This happens to be one of them. But I'm surprised they did a Thin Lizzy song because there was stories about, like, Lynette going up to Joe Elliott and saying, well heard Pyromania, I guess we got to quit, or or I heard High and Dry, and I guess we got to quit, or something like that. And Elliot was all pissed off at it about, well, you didn't actually say it was good. You just said you had to quit. That's how bad you are? Like, why would they do a Thin Lizzy song then? That's a
2: Vivian thing, I guarantee it. Vivian's a huge Thin Lizzy fan. Oh. Kevin, you
3: like the song, though?
4: I love it. Yeah, I love, I mean, there's hardly a bad Thin Lizzy song. Maybe the first couple albums aren't aren't the best, but once they got going... With the twin guitar attack. I mean, that's where you get those guitar harmonies. Came from Thin Lizzy and and one of my favorite bands, Wishbone Ash, who uh, Steven knows all about. But I think they did a great version of this. It, it has the swagger, it has the swing that the original had in it. I think that Joe does a pretty good job of nailing the vocals very close to what Phil did. They could have left it up a bit more. You know, it's a pretty straight cover of the song, but you don't really need to mess with this song. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Stephen, I disagree that Joe did a a job that Phil did. Joe fucking buried Phil. (laughs) Phil sounds like shit compared to the way Joe did this song. And Def Leppard made it peppier. So I actually enjoyed their version. I think it's a good
2: version, and I think it's a nice deep track. It's not one of the – I mean, when you think of Thin Lizzy, this is not one of the songs you think of, in my opinion. So uh, I think it's a, a nice song choice. And I think they did a good job, and I think they still kept
3: the spirit of the song, the original song. So I like it. And then we get with the closer Stay With Me, originally done by The Faces. So I know that there's people out there that say, you know, don't do Zeppelin covers, don't do Rush covers. don't like There's these bands that you should absolutely stay away from. I am a believer don't do Rod Stewart covers because it is very difficult to do the vocal right? The music, it is what it is, but the vocal is very, very difficult to do. It's hard to get that fuzz guitar and then Rod's raspiness because it fits so well together. So you can maybe get the fuzz guitar down. So my guess is, here's what happened. Joe's like, we're going to do the faces. I ain't fucking singing that. You do it, Phil. And Phil fucking killed it oh my god Kevin when I heard this I was like holy shit I thought that was
4: Rod Stewart singing it's amazing and he did it in one take yeah and he did it in 1999 (laughs) he did it so damn good that one time they're like oh we're keeping this and if we ever re-record this thing we're just going to keep what you did because you will never get that gold again yeah it's amazing what he did with this
3: Steven, Rod's a screamer. It's tough to do Rod Stewart songs. God, one of the reasons I absolutely
2: love Rod Stewart. I mean, there's just nobody that sounds like Rod Stewart. He sounds so damn good. And this is my bang zone for bands like The Faces and The Stones. This is that sound. This is that rock and roll that I really, really love. I've always loved this tune, man. So good. And Phil does such a great job. The band as a whole does such a great job. They don't really, you know, it's not like they really veer too far from the original. I mean, they're pretty much true to the original, but uh, there's no reason to do something different with this song. It's just such a great song. Love this song.
4: Vivian's uh, slide guitar
3: in this just kicks ass. It's so good. All right. Those were the 14 songs. Let's get top two, bottom two. I'm going to give you my top 2 cuz those were easy. No matter what, stay with me. Those are my top 2. That was easy. Bottom 2, whew, I had a lot to choose from. But <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go with the fucking Cognos Congo South American dude piece of shit song. He's going to step on you again and then that ELO song is fucking brutal. So I'm going to go with those two, Overture and He's going to step on you again as my bottom 2. Kevin, you go next. Of course I'm going to counter
4: you. <laughs> Because the top two for me are the two songs that probably a lot of people didn't know in 2006 that they made their own. They made them Def Leppard songs, and that's Rock On, and He's Gonna Step On You Again. I think those are the top two. The bottom two, Waterloo Sunset, and No Matter What. Don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen, how about you?
2: (laughs) Anyway... Kevin, you're making it hard to fight for you, but baby. (laughs) (laughs) So my top two are going to be Hellraiser and Stay With Me. I love the sweet uh, cover. And my bottom two are going to be Hanging on the Telephone because I just don't care for that song. And like Sonny, there are so many songs that I could really sort of choose from. It's really hard. I could go with any one of these, but I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of that Drive-In Saturday by David Bowie. So that's probably my second, but could also
3: been one or two or three other ones. And then just to uh, kind of wrap up the album, here's kind of my thoughts, you know, did we need a covers record from Def Leppard at this point? Probably not. Is it okay to listen to? Sure. Right. There, there were some songs I had not heard before. I thought there were songs they did well. Project feels a little lazy at points because there was a couple of places where they could adjust Went. A little bit of love. Dude, nobody knows that's a free song in 2006. You could make that one of the best Leopard songs of the 2000s. Right? So it just kind of missed there. I'm thinking I get it. It's a labor of love. I'm thinking they owed an album. And this was the lazy way out. That, that's my thoughts. Kevin, how about you?
4: Yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's the norm for any legacy act to put out a covers album eventually. They've been doing it forever. And So I knew eventually we would get one from Def Leppard. It's interesting that this is the album, though, that brought me back to them. I actually had not listened to Leppard for a long time. I heard Rock On, and I went, hmm, they've done something unique with a song that I know. And I like it when a band takes a cover song, whether it's obscure or not, but they make it their own, and they make it sound like them, but still have the impact of the original song. And that's why I picked those two songs that I picked. But I, I think they did a pretty good job on this album. Like I said, I think there's some missed opportunities where, to your point, Sonny, they could have just rocked it out more and made it 2006 Def Leppard because the kids, if there are any kids listening to it at all, but even the folks our age probably don't know
3: some of these songs, and they could have really made them even better. Yeah, and Stephen, what I'm thinking they were trying to do with No Matter What is that's one of those songs that you can release it every 20 years with the new icon and make a hit out of it, and since it didn't hit, the director company probably got scared.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing that occurred to me, while we're kind of wrapping this record up, is I think you're right, Sonny. I mean, look, a lot of these bands' uh, legacy acts, you can almost count on them delivering a greatest hits, a live album, and a covers album. Because like you said, they're fulfilling contracts, right? They're fulfilling We Owe You An Album. And that's the easy way to do it. Even though Joe has said this has been a dream of his since 1983, and okay, whatever, sure, good for you. I wonder why more bands don't take the Van Halen route and basically do what Van Halen did with Diver Down, because I think that it could be really good for a band to do an album with 10 songs on it, and six of them are cover songs that they make their own, and four of them are originals, maybe rehashed demos that they had been sitting on sitting on, and make a really good album. That's what Diver Down is, right? Uh, and to me, that was a successful record, and more bands should do that because I just think that would be, you know, much better than just sort
3: of delivering an all covers record. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's just odd. They're old men at this point doing old songs. It's just weird. I don't know. It's weird. Would you rather them do current? Covers? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think so.
2: I don't have a problem with that. I mean, listen, y- you love who you love, right? I mean, if if you're in a position and you can pay tribute to the bands that excited you as a kid, why wouldn't you? Uh so I, I don't have an issue with that. And this whole album uh feels very honest to me in the fact that from the artwork to the cover work to the songs they chose regardless of whether I like them or not, they like them. And so this it just has a very honest feel to that, and I I can appreciate that.
4: Yeah. Look, as a musician, you can take two paths when you're learning your instrument and you're putting your bands together. You can either be in a cover band and make pretty decent money, or you can write your own songs and be in an original band and make no money unless you just happen to make it. And so the bands that make it Eventually, the reason that we all got into our instruments and playing music in the beginning was because we wanted to sound like whoever we loved, right? So eventually even the bands that are original and that make it, they go back and they want to do these covers because that's what got them into the music in the in the beginning. So I think that's why every single legacy act eventually ends up doing a covers album because that's where they started. Yeah. Interesting.
3: All right. So let's connect it to KISS. You
1: It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So, for the historic
3: moment, you know, two thousand six, where are we at in history? So, reunion tour's been done a while. So, Cycle Circus Drama's kind of, you know, been done for a bit. They're at a time where they're not touring much, actually. Kiss only played six gigs in two thousand six, and four of them were in Japan because they headlined the Udo uh, Music Festival. Kiss Def Leppard, Queen, and Judas Priest were honored at VH1 Rock Honors. It was the first rock honors thing they did in Vegas. In June of 2006, Simmons and Stanley opened the first coffee house in Myrtle Beach, the Kiss Coffee House. And then in October of that year, Paul, Gene, and Peter were inductees in the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. So- you know, they're making appearances, they're in the press a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Paul's probably bored to death at this point. So he goes and decides to record and release his second solo album, Live to Win. Got released in October of 2006. Did a short tour. I was lucky enough to see one of the dates. It was a great day. I mean, I saw the 89 tour. It was awesome. I saw the 2006 tour. It was awesome. It was cool to see Paul solo. So I wanted to play something off of that album. So here's the fourth track, written by Paul Stanley and Pete Mazzitti, with Russ Irwin on keyboards, Victor Indruso on drums, Brad Fernquist on lead guitar, Bruce Kulick on bass, and Paul playing guitar and doing the vocals, here is Every Time I See You Around.
7: Do you remember when you said I was the only one? We'll watch the years go passing by. I never dreamed that with the love I thought it just begun. I'd ever hear you say goodbye. When we meet and I start smiling.
2: So this seems like a song that would have been on like uh somewhere around Hot in the Shade, Crazy Nights, Era Kiss, right? Sort of a uh, uh forever or, you know, not quite that slow but in that sort of same vein to me. I mean, it's a good song. That's a well-written song,
3: right? Yeah, it doesn't have the punch of Revenge, that's for sure.
2: No, no, it's definitely much more um the song is escaping my mind, but it was Forever. And then what was the song that Ace also covered? A I'd lot your heart. heart. I'd your Heart. Hide Your Heart. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah.
4: Yeah. This To me, this was the last time that Paul tried to write a current sounding album because Kiss after this would kind of go retro, right? They kind of do the, yeah. we're going we're gonna to be Kiss from the 70s. But this was his last attempt, at least, at writing
3: the modern rock. This was a modern rock record for Paul, which was interesting. Yeah, I thought Paul's "Live to Win" was better than Gene, you know, doing that asshole album. The asshole yeah. album wasn't great. Mm-mm. It's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Paul yeah. did a better job with it for sure. Agreed.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, look, great episode. It's fun to revisit these records. Kevin, as always, you're a regular here on the Grown Up Rock podcast. We appreciate it. We appreciate you taking one for the team and <laughs> uh, stepping into a review. Yeah. Uh, But honestly, look, it was uh, a nice change of pace to go back and visit this record because this was one that I wasn't that familiar with. And, uh, you know, there's some good stuff on it, but definitely some stuff that I'm like, yeah, I never really need to listen to that band that did the original or this song. Oh, ever again, but <laughs> thanks anyway for coming. Tell us a little, a uh, little bit about the In Obscuria podcast. What day does that drop? It drops on Fridays, correct?
4: It does drops every Friday, and uh, just thank you guys for having me on, and thanks for always supporting. I know when I started In Obscuria, I reached out to everyone even before I recorded my first uh, episode, and just made sure that what I was doing sounded like it might be a good idea. And you guys gave me you guys gave me some opinions and I really appreciate all the help throughout the years. And so then, thank you.
2: And then we gave you as many shitty tips as we could possibly <laughs> give you to send you in the wrong direction so that you wouldn't uh compete with us. Yeah.
3: And, and you have ex- executed on those shitty tips very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my five listeners love our film. <laughs> Quit uh,
4: playing Marillion and you'd get more. <laughs> we did four episodes on Marillion, sir. I, <laughs> but uh, point counterpoint.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So we, yeah, we drop every Friday. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're going to be there uh, again in obscurity.com if you want to come check us out. We have a lot of swag as well. So come check that out. But yeah, thanks again, guys, for having me on.
2: Awesome. Kevin, you're always welcome here. What's up next for us, Sonny? What's the next al- Def Leppard album in line? Uh, after yeah, comes what?
4: Is that Sparkle?
2: Oh yeah, Sparkle. Ah, Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. Uh, That should be fun.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Have fun with that one.
2: Yeah, so as we get further into this Def Leppard catalog, it's always interesting because Sonny and I probably haven't listened to these albums, if ever, from the time they came out. So it's always interesting to find out who's going to pop up on the uh, uh, guest list to do these records. Some of them go, yeah, I don't like this record at all. Sonny called me up and told (laughs) me this, this was the record I had the choice of doing. So not for you kevin kevin got his choice and uh he's here with his choice so thanks to all the listeners appreciate each and every one of you guys thanks for hanging out with us for the year to do this Death leopard series hope you're enjoying the other regular episodes that we do the rest of the month and that's it Sonny. anything else to add before we get up on out of here
3: no thanks seeing uh good to see you again kevin and uh for the listeners thanks for listening yeah 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 uh, that's yeah yeah cool. That's it. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Bye.
1: (laughs) Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com that's one word g-r-o-w-i-n-u-p-r-o-c-k.com or visit us on our facebook page at GrowingUpRock up rock and tell us all about it
6: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football